Hello, everyone. And if you haven't already been told this enough, an official happy spring to you. It is so exciting when we hit this point here in New England uh, and we can start to see that snow melting and hopefully not coming back. It has been brought to my attention that I need to add a new piece of housekeeping to my podcast in the intros. So inevitably, I end up saying something in every episode that's like either politically correct or I had no actual idea what it meant, and I said it anyway. So then I have to come back and correct myself. Um, I'm going to say this. I will chalk this all up to the fact that I'm just not really the cool kid when it comes to knowing slang and what's hot and what's not and what you should say and what you shouldn't say. And this is totally a story for another day, but I didn't go to like school, real school until I was 14. And even then the school that I went to wasn't exactly the kind of place that you were learning about much of what was going on in the real world. And even my college was a happy little bubble of oblivion. So I guess all of this means that I'm just not always in the know about meanings of phrases and colloquial expressions that a lot of other people learned growing up. Last week in my episode, which I thank you so much for listening because those who did shared how much you loved it and that meant the absolute world to me. Uh, But anyway, last week in the episode, I said, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, to which my husband informed me is a quick and potentially offensive sexual act, which is not how I meant it in the episode. And in fact, I thought it just meant like when something got done very willy nilly and fast Anyway, I think the worst part of this whole story is I actually think that I learned that phrase from my mom, which means that she was also using it wrong, and I think I'm going to have to break the news to her also. Anyway, sorry if I offended anyone. That's not what I meant by it. Uh, Consider this portion of the housekeeping where I have to go back and correct what I said in the last episode over. Uh, Sometimes I'm just kind of like Amelia Bedelia, I think. I think I'm just like bobbing along in the world, none the wiser. So if, you know, I don't know if you ever read Merry Christmas, Amelia Bedelia, but basically the recipe calls for 10 cups of popcorn and Amelia Bedelia starts pouring in 10 cups of unpopped kernels instead of making, instead of just like using 10 cups of popped popcorn. So if you ever see me doing that, just stop me, tell me I'm messing up and I will apologize, clean up the mess. But anyway, it's kind. Of, it's also kind of like my brand at this point, you know, the many foibles of uh, Emily Aborn. Hopefully foibles is the right word to use there. <laughs> Phew, I just looked that one up and it is, so don't worry. Uh, I won't have to put that in next week's housekeeping. Anyway, enough of that. Um, I'm not going to waste any more time today. I'm just going to get right into what the episode is about. I recently asked in the She Built This group about what people like to hear when they hear someone's entrepreneurial journey or story because we hear a whole lot of them and I kind of wanted to learn about what which ones really stick with people and which ones they're not really exactly a fan of. So side note, if you're not already a part of the She Built This group, it's an extension of this podcast or maybe vice versa. I'm not exactly sure. Anyway, it's an entire community of business owners, professionals, leaders, and entrepreneurs who are excited and inspired by success and focused on personal growth. So if you're someone who is taking action and would love a cheerleading squad by your side while you do, and you're not already a member of the group, please check out shebuiltthis.org and you can join us over there. 
All right, so a lot of people in the group shared about how they love to hear the success stories and also failures when people tell their journey. They like to hear the real truths about money and also those real truths from people who aren't just millionaires. Other people shared that they love hearing stories interwoven with tips and resources and tools that they can take away and apply to their own lives and businesses. So today's guest, Megan, she actually recently had me on her show, Your Sparkly Brand, uh, where I got to share my own entrepreneurial journey. And I think the episode's going to be coming out soon, so I'll make sure that you get to hear it when it comes out. But based on the answers that everyone gave in that group, when Megan sent me the question, I thought long and hard about how I was going to share my story because I didn't just want to go on and on and on and tell her listeners everything from basically age six to present day. I wanted it to be really concise and dive into all the elements that people shared that they love, you know, the success, the pivots, the failures, and also how I'm still a major work in progress, but enjoying every minute of it and really been working to refine that so that I've been enjoying it even more. Lots of people in the thread mentioned the show How I Built This with Guy Raz. That was like my second ever podcast. I think Serial was the first that I ever listened to. And well, I think that one is great. And I also think like Imagined Life, um, they sort of lost me after a little bit. And I think it's because as I've started just kind of like opening up and listening more closely to people around me and learning from them, I really just appreciate the genius like all around me in my everyday life. And that's what I really want to do in the interviews on my show. Like I wanted to feel very relatable for you. And also like you can actually see somebody else's story and also see pieces of your story in theirs. So my mission with the show is always to just highlight everyday entrepreneurs, the wisdom of those who have gone before us and hear things we can all relate to and put into action because we see these people showing up every day and doing it too. And maybe we even like live, breathe, and walk next to them in some cases. Today's guest is going to give us both a great story about how she started and some tips and takeaways that you can use in relation to cleaning up your own brand. So you're kind of going to get a full picture. In this episode, we talk about Megan's entrepreneurial journey, which I found a very interesting one. She's also going to share her spin on social media and some of those do's and don'ts of websites as well as just like general brand cleanup and a little bit more. Megan has been in the design and marketing fields for 15 plus years and has worked with some of the most well-known names in the entertainment industry including Netflix, Spaceland Presents, The Echo, Echoplex, Regent Theater, KCRW Radio, and Live Nation. Now Megan helps women business owners make more sales by creating bold website design, branding, and marketing strategies. She also co-hosts the Your Sparkly Brand podcast, which I told you about earlier, a show that aims to inspire and empower women entrepreneurs through sharing strategies and stories. I hope you enjoy our interview, and I hope that you walk away with some good tips and tricks that you can start putting into place for your own social media, website, and brand. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Megan, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Hey, how's it going, Emily? 
Good. I'm so excited to have you. And I'm excited the way that we connected was kind of an unusual um, thing. We have a mutual friend slash mutual podcaster who put on a holiday, I don't know, what would you call it? Like a podcast blitz or something? Yeah. It was just like short form episodes of just like non-business style chats, which is kind of refreshing during the holidays. It was refreshing and fun. And so I heard Megan and I said, oh my gosh, I would love to be on her show. And she said, I would love to be on your show. And we said, let's do it. And then I was just commenting on how lovely it is to interview somebody with a podcast mic. So all that backstory aside, um, I have already introduced you and read your bio before you joined us, but I would love to hear in your own words, a little bit about who you are, what you do, and maybe like what what really makes you unique in your industry? Yeah, definitely. So I help business owners that are creative and want to push the limits on their business. Um, but I help them with creating um, branding, website design, and marketing solutions for their business that helps them to boost their sales and stand out in their markets. Um, and the thing that really sets me apart from other providers is that I really love pushing the limits when it comes to the design side of things. So um, if you take a look at my style on my website, it's lot, you'll see lots of bold colors, like bold shapes. It's very much for bold brands. Um, so yeah, that is kind of what I do. And how did you kind of get into the entrepreneurial world? Did you always know that was your path? Was it a long rambly road? No, it's kind of funny. So the beginning of my career, I'm, I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia. Um, I started off my career um, working at Live Nation. I was doing a graphic design position. I've always kind of been in the music industry. So uh, that was kind of my quote unquote first real job out of college. Um, but I decided, like, I basically just noticed that I wasn't very happy where I was at in Virginia. Uh, I decided I wanted to move out to California and I didn't know how or why I was going to get there. Um, but I made it my mission to make it happen. So basically packed all of my stuff into my car as much as I could fit and just started driving West. I had basically a temp, like a kind of a temporary apartment situation set up. Um, but other than that, I didn't really have a plan. It was basically just driving out here, moving all of my stuff. And uh, once I got out here, I wound up getting a new job uh, at a radio station, KCRW Radio here in Los Angeles. Um, and at the time, I had no idea what KCRW even was. It was um, it's the NPR station out here that serves Southern California. Um, was there for a few years, was working on like mobile apps and website projects. Um, and then all, like after a few years there, I decided, okay, I want to try something else new that's new. Um, and I dove into a new job at um, a, a music promoter here in Los Angeles. So they owned and operated several music venues here. Um, and so I was the creative, creative director there. Um, and so after a few years there as well, super fun job. I learned so much from managing a team and like um, just kind of looking at design and marketing from kind of a higher level perspective and learning how to, you know, really drive those campaigns. Um, but after a few years there, I was like getting to a point where my entire career, I had freelanced on and off my entire 
uh, time that I had been working. And it, it was just getting to the point where I would go to a nine to five all day. And then I would come home and I would do freelance work until like midnight. And so it was kind of like burning the candle at both ends at, at some point And like, something had to give. And I was like, you know, this might be the, the right time to jump off into entrepreneurship. Um, and so that's what I did. And that was in 2018. And yeah, that is kind of the very short version of the story. Wow. Good for you. So it sounds like you have a lot of experience and you also do a lot right now. You have a podcast, you do social media, you help with web design, branding. Um, do you do all of this yourself or do you have a team working with you? So it's funny that you should ask that. Up until recently, I have been doing everything myself. And um, it's funny because, so I'm really immersed in the TikTok community. Um, but, and I consider lots of creators there to almost be like my digital mentors in a way, but something that I have really taken to heart in the past like year or so has been from one of my quote unquote digital mentors. But um, something that he has mentioned that has really stuck with me was that, you know, you really need to find the pieces of your business that you don't like to do and find people that are really passionate about those parts and like hand those pieces off to those people because it's going to make you happier. It's going to make uh, them excited and happy that they have, you know, something that they really love to do. And so I've just recently started to outsource those different parts of my business, like really doing a lot of like internal work to figure out, okay, these are the pieces of my business that really don't light me up. Um, and so, you know, finding the people that are really passionate about those pieces and handing those pieces off. It's definitely a hard process, but um, honestly, it's been really, really good for my business and my mental health as well. Yeah, good for you. I know that can be a challenge at first, but not only are you helping yourself, um, you're also helping somebody else to grow. And I think that's the important thing to remember too, is like, it's an it's a win-win. It's an opportunity for everyone. So the things you don't love, somebody else, it lights them up from head to toe. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. I kind of want to break your interview. I, I have never done this before, but I kind of want to break this into three chunks because there is such a wide variety of things that you focus on and offer and have expertise in. Um, so I want to start with social media. And first of all, you had just mentioned TikTok. I know nothing about TikTok. So can you share with me some of the maybe value that you see in TikTok? Maybe, um, who is a good fit for and who it's not a good fit for? Absolutely. So let me just kick this off in the reverse order. Um, I just want to say that TikTok is for everybody. I think there's like a big misconception that it's still an app for kids. It's only for dancing. Like there's a lot of like silliness going on. And like, of course, that is a part of the app. Um, but I come at it from a business perspective. And so I see lots of businesses where TikTok has completely completely just changed their entire business. Um, the beauty of the platform is that every piece of content that you make has the potential to get in hundreds, in front of hundreds, if not thousands, if not millions of new people that have no idea, have never heard of your brand, have never seen your products or services. And so every single post that you make has that potential. Um, and so once you see that happen for other people in the platform, and once you um, kind of study the ways that you can implement in your own content strategy to make that happen for your own business. If you get a little taste of that, it's definitely one of the things where you get sucked into it, right? 
Um, you know, I joined TikTok a few years ago at this point. I'm almost at 50,000 followers on the platform. It's crazy. Like, uh, not many people can say that that has happened for them on Instagram. You know what I mean? It's just a lot harder to grow on other platforms. Um, and it, it, aside from followers as well, like it completely changes the way that your business operates. Like prior to joining TikTok, I was doing like a lot of outreach in my business, like, you know, cold emailing businesses and like, you know, posting all the time online and like, um, you know, reaching out to people, giving out my business cards and like, you know, networking in real life. Now that has completely flipped for my business. Like all of pretty much all of my business is coming to me. Like that is the power of TikTok. Wow. And I think that's also the power of um, branding yourself as an expert, right? Because that's what we all want. And when we're doing our job with our branding, people recognize us and can tag us when it comes to needing XYZ services. So good job for you. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's here's the thing about like content creation is, in general is it's not a quick solution. It, it definitely takes, like you said, like it's that branding, it's that repetitive nature of like showing up over and over in somebody's feed to really stick in their minds. So it's, it takes time, but it's definitely so worth it. Yeah, I agree. And I always say the best content is the content you use because uh, how many times have we seen somebody who spends all this time creating content and then doesn't share it, you know? So that's my philosophy. The best content is the content you actually implement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's not going to do you any good if it's sitting in your drafts folder. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So I would love to hear maybe what some of your big pet peeves are when it comes to social media. And then we'll kind of like spin that into some of the, the positive and tips and such. Yeah, definitely. So especially as somebody who's immersed in like the TikTok, Instagram world, there are a lot of folks um, that use kind of sketchy tactics. And I think that that is one of my big pet peeves on social media. Like, for example, I just made a video about this yesterday, but like there's a trend on TikTok where, um, you know, people will create sounds that say like, all you have to do is like save this sound and like all of your wildest manifestations will come true. It's like, of course that's not true. That's like the equivalent of like an AOL chain mail. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. <laughs> Get me that sound ASAP, please. Yeah. <laughs> so like that's all you have to do. No work involved at all. It's just magic that happens. Just save the sound on TikTok. <laughs> that is funny. Okay. So what's your favorite thing when it comes to social media? Um, definitely the community that comes with it. I mean, I have met so many amazing uh, friends and fortunately have been able to also meet these folks in real life in some cases. Um, and I think just like the community aspect is just so amazing, especially, you know, in the pandemic where folks have been really isolated. Folks are just really craving that human connection. And, you know, you make all of these friends online and like, you know, you see them show up with their content, see what they're about, like hear a bit about their stories and, you know, their lives. And, um, you know, it's just so powerful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, really, uh, one of my very best friends, we, I think we originally connected in a Facebook group and, if, and we did meet in person, um, eventually, but that's how we like kind of got to know each other, you know, at first was just like through a group like that. So I totally agree with you about social media being an opportunity to build community and relationships. And I think sometimes we forget that and we think that it's like, um, 
you know, we call it an audience, right? Or like your followers, but I think we just forget the connection piece and we're like, all right, I'm, I'm standing up here on a stage. And then that's where some of that fear comes in for people. So how, I guess, do you help people? Like, I'm sure a lot of people come to you and they say like, I just struggle with social media. I don't know what it is. So how do you kind of help them to overcome that and make it a little bit easier for themselves? Yeah, definitely. So a big thing when it comes to showing up online is your mindset. Uh, One thing that I like to tell my clients is that, you know, you have something special to share with the world, you know, whether that's making your art or making, um, you know, fashion pieces or accessories or, you know, whatever it is, you have something special to share with the world. And it's really flipping your mindset to if you don't share this thing with the world, you're actually doing your audience, you know, folks that are watching a disservice because you are withholding that special magic that you have. So I try to look at it that way. I love that approach. I actually think I had a dream about something like that last night, but I can't remember the details, so I won't get into it. Um, Okay. Can you please answer this question for me? What is the deal with hashtags nowadays? Because I like, it was like 30 and then it was like, no, don't on Instagram specifically. Um, And then it was like, don't worry about them. And then it was like eight to 10. Then it was like two to three. I'm just like, what do we do with these things? So, I mean, I tend to look at hashtags almost as like your post targeting, right? So think about who you want your content to get in front of, um, and then you can go from there. Um, I, I definitely think there's still some use in those in using hashtags. It helps the algorithm to understand what your content is about, who to serve it to, you know, how high in the feed it should go to the person that's consuming it. Um, and so I tend to always look at Uh, especially when we're talking about Instagram, there are a few different accounts on there that you can follow. Uh, I think recently the creators account has announced that the best practice is three to five. Um, So I tend to, you know, if Instagram's literally telling you use three to five hashtags, then that's what I tend to follow because like, you know, you can test all day long and see what works best for your account. But like at the end of the day, they're the ones that are controlling the platform. And so I try to kind of abide by that. That is so, that is so smart of you. (laughs) Um, All right. Can you give us like, if you could just drop one of your best social media strategy tips, uh, what would it be? Yeah. And I think this kind of applies to all marketing really is really having a good understanding of your avatar and your target audience. So like the, the more information that you have about them, the better that you understand them, you know, how they're feeling, what their struggles are, what their pain and pleasure points are, like the easier it will become to craft uh, a marketing strategy that will speak, that will speak specifically to that person. Um, And it will like, when you show up speaking their language, you know, with colors and fonts that connect with that specific person, um, that is going to really grab the attention of that target person. And so that's, I think, ultimately the most important thing when it comes to social media. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I I often refer to content as a bridge. It's a bridge between you and your goals and who who your personality is and their personality, their goals, and where you two can go together. So um, really, really well said. And I am such a huge fan of having that person in mind, like each and every post that you write, you know, like who am I literally sitting down right now to speak to when I'm, when I'm making a post? Absolutely. Okay. Hopefully we can shift gears smoothly. Buckle up. Um, 
we're going to move into websites, which I think actually goes in, it, it start, we can start in the same place, you know, speaking to that same person on your website and making it about them and not you. Um, in your opinion, what are like the website must haves? Like what are things that every website must have? Yeah, for sure. So I think ultimately you want to start with what is your number one goal with your website? This is going to differ if you are a product-based business or service-based business, you know, figuring out what your number one goal is, is going to drive the organization of the site, um, how you present information, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so figuring that out first is going to be, I would say, step one. Um, as far as like other must-haves that you should have on your website, a clear and concise navigation is always super crucial, making sure that the website is laid out in a way that makes sense. So think about when somebody comes to your website, what is the number one thing that they would want to click on that they're looking for, right? What's, what is the other information that might help to support that action as well? So figuring out that flow is going to be super important as well. Um, obviously I have to say branding because that is a, I'm a huge, um, you know, cheerleader for having consistent branding across your platforms is super important. Um, and making sure that your customer has a great experience. So, you know, checking your website on mobile, making sure, um, that it feels like if they've come from your social media, if they land on your website, that they're in the right place. Those are the kinds of things that are kind of, um, unspoken in a way, but you have to make sure that your customer feels secure, that they feel like they are well taken care of when they are uh, coming to your website and that it's a trustworthy site. Yeah. I just want to echo that about having a site that works like on different, uh, like on mobile and that just doesn't, isn't like full of pop-ups and things like that. Like how many times have you gone to a site and you can't X out of the pop-up and you're like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and you just set it down because there's no X or whatever the thing is. You're like, I wasn't ready for your download yet because I literally didn't even get to know you. So just yeah. give me a minute and then I'll download. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, free the freebie. Um, not, not that pop-ups are bad. You just need to be able to have that X to get out of them. But exactly. I've been, you know, I've been trapped. Um, so when it comes to that overall branding, I, I totally agree with you that it needs to carry from our websites to our social media, to how we could like how we show up actually, like that is a piece of it too. And we will get into that. Um, I want to get into, because this is something that people ask me all the time as a content writer, and I write a lot of copy for websites. They ask me if testimonials are still just as important to have included on our websites. And so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Absolutely. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, there is, I forget the name of it, but there's essentially a psychological effect that happens when we come to a website and we see that other people have had, um, a good experience with a, a business, uh, an individual, it sends a signal to us that, oh, okay, if they have done a good job for, <clears throat> excuse me, if they've done a good job for Susie, then they have, they might do a good job for me as well. Um, if so-and-so has had a good experience, here are the things that they liked about this person. Um, you know, potentially I could have that as well. Like, I always like to tell clients, like, think about how many times you go to Yelp before picking a restaurant. You know, yeah. it, there's a lot of weight in what other people have to say. 
when we take a look at like other people's opinions, there's a lot of information that we can gather from those. So like how um, folks work with other people, you know, what kind of results they can deliver, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really the social proof, I think, is the the expression it's called. And and you can use them in so many other ways, too. Like if somebody gives you a, a testimonial, have them post it on LinkedIn, use it as a quote on your Instagram, you know, like it's all different ways that we can we can bring it back to our website, but we can also use all of that to build trust for other people coming behind them. So, and not just that, like, you know, sometimes your client can just say it better than your website copy can say it. You're like, they, I mean, then you can just use their words later down the road, but sometimes they just say things that you're like, wow, I didn't even know I did that for people. You know, it's like they bring something to light and a result to light that you didn't even realize was there. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. How about one magical website tip that would help us to improve our websites starting today? Absolutely. So this is my number one tip, and it's also the biggest mistake that I see people making with their websites. Um, When you first hit a website, if you don't even scroll on the page, I, as the website visitor, should be able to take action on something. Most websites that I take a look at, I do a lot of website reviews for clients, um, but most websites that I look at do not have that in place. So let me go over a few things that kind of, you know, encapsulate like what that looks like. So you need to have a striking image in that first um, hero area. You need to have a, an eye-catching headline. So something that describes what your main offer is, maybe a short blurb that goes into a bit more detail. And then you need an a call to action button. So this is the most important part. It's how people take action on that most important offer. Um, And for whatever reason, this is also one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make. So they'll have like a welcome message there um, or a, a short blurb about themselves. But in reality, you have to think of it from the website visitor's perspective. Think about what do they want the most? Put it front and center on your website so that they don't miss it. Yeah, that's a really good tip. I hope everyone wrote that one down. <laughs> um, okay, let's so let's bring it full circle with um, general branding, which I think applies to both of these things, of course. So I know that you say that branding is the single most important investment that you can make in your business. Can you tell us like what that means to you? Uh, what what factors you incorporate into brand? Like what are all the elements that we need to be considering? Sure. So branding is really, you know, branding itself is not colors or fonts or, you know, any of that kind of like tangible things within the business. Branding is more so like a feeling that you evoke in your customers. But when we're talking about brand identity, those are the visual components that go into, you know, creating that visual aspect of your brand. So those are the colors, the fonts, the, you know, the styles, the voice, all of that stuff that you see on anybody's social media posts. Um, And so when it comes to crafting a brand identity, you want to be making sure that you include a a color palette, a font system that will work, you know, in conjunction with that, Um, the mission statement of the company, the core values. So like getting really clear on like why your company does what it does, what things you stand for, that kind of thing, Um, as well as like iconography, textures. Um, any of those kinds of small visual elements that will help bring that brand all together. 
Yeah. And I would love for you to share. I, you made a great Instagram post about four branding mistakes. Um, so I'd love for you to share what those are because I think they really highlight some of these things that you just brought to light. Yeah, definitely. And so I think the first one is ultimately trying to speak too broad, to too broad of an audience. So, you know, most folks, when they start their business, they say like, okay, this product is for everybody. The problem with, with that is when you do that, you end up speaking to no one at all because it's when your messaging is too broad, you can't grab the attention of that one specific person that you're trying to help. So it's the difference between saying like, hey, friend, and like, hey, boss, babe. Like, that's the difference. You, you see how yeah. one is like, clearly, oh, yeah. yeah, like one is like clearly for a specific person and one is clearly going to repel certain people. That's actually what you want in your branding. You don't want your products and service to be for everybody because you don't want the wrong types of people coming into your business. I was going to say, you're going to spend a whole lot of time trying to filter out all those people that you actually meant to repel in the first place. <laughs> exactly. And the easier that you make it on yourself to keep those people out of your business, the happier you are going to be in the long run. <laughs> yep. I 100% agree with you on that. Yeah. And I mean, as far as like other branding mistakes as well, like, you know, consistency is a big factor. So making sure that you're using the exact um, color codes throughout your marketing, as well as the fonts and like really adhering to your branding guidelines. Um, this is a, a recommendation that I make to all of my clients as well. Like getting a brand guide in place is such a game changer for any business. Um, so this is basically a go-to resource, like a PDF type thing where you have uh, outlined, you know, these are the specific fonts. Here are, you know, the different sizes that of each, you know, the header one is, should be this size header two should be this, this size. This is what the body copy should look like. Here's the tone in which you should speak to your clients or customers. Um, here are the exact color codes that you should be using in every piece of marketing material you ever make. Um, and so really referring to that every time that you make any type of marketing material can be super helpful. Yeah. And I want to say that's not just for like big brands, you know, that's for individuals also. Like I sat down and did that for myself because I love me some fonts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah. I can't let myself get out of control with that because then it just starts to look like, I don't know who this person is, you know, like every day she shows up with a different font. So, um, that is for individuals who sh who show up as themselves online, as well as people who might have what they think is classically a a brand. You know, like your you an individual are your brand. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a thing that happens too, like when you start to show up consistently with those fonts, those colors, that same look and feel. There's a thing that happens with your brand where when people start to see that over and over in their feeds, that just builds your brand recognition. So automatically, without you having to say like, hey, this is Emily, every single time you post, they will know. Like the people that are watching like will know based on those that specific style that you have put in place. Um, and so it's just like one of those things that gets built up over time. Yeah, I think you're a really great example of that. Um, and I think our mutual friend Deanna is also a really great example of that. Like you guys always, you you always know when it's yours. And part of that is you're both, you both have a very bright palette. Um, but obviously it's something beyond that. You know, it's the way that you you speak and the different fonts that you use. And, and the uh, I want to say even like showing consistently in reels versus like more static posts. So 
Yeah, definitely. And it's honestly, if you are comfortable, if you are somebody that's comfortable, that's getting on camera, um, it becomes a lot easier because, you know, folks recognize other people, right? And so it becomes easier to build that brand, brand recognition. I always tell my clients this too, like, what was the last time that you recognized if you're sitting there hand making, like a knitting a scarf, what was the last time you recognized somebody's hands? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, you're probably not going to, but if you are recognizing somebody's face, that's a lot easier. Yeah. And I think we connect more with human faces. I think people, there's like this stat, which is really lovely where, um, people stop for like five seconds longer. I think if there's a, a human face that they recognize in the photo. So interesting. interesting. I'm, not su- I'm not surprised. Stop the scroll with your face. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. What's been your, uh, like one of your favorite resources as far as social media, websites, branding, maybe just overall messaging, some, either a book or a podcast that you really love um, for your own self to learn? So my answer for this is honestly may, might be something that you might not expect because it's kind of indirectly uh, related. And honestly, I, I love anything that Mel Robbins does. Um, and so I want to kind of direct this towards like mindset type stuff, just because running your own business is hard. And I don't think I could do any of the things that I currently do in my business. And I certainly couldn't serve my clients as well as I do without the right mindset. Um, so, you know, making sure that you're taking time for gratitude and, um, she has like a lot of amazing resources on social media. She has a a lot of amazing books. I just finished, um, the high five habit. So that, that book is all about, you know, taking the time for yourself and like really celebrating your wins and like, you know, taking that time to really celebrate how far you've come. Um, and, without those things, like, you know, it's tough, like being a business owner is tough. I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this, like can relate to that. Like there are tons of things that just get thrown at you every day. (laughs) You know, you are speaking my language and I loved the high five habit. If you have a connection to Mel Robbins, hook me up because I'm trying to get her on my podcast. I've sent her a letter, (laughs) a care package. The lady's like, please stop stalking me. She's amazing. Uh, she is. She's great. Um, okay. What would you, what, if, if listeners could walk away with just like one thing to, to feel or to act on, um, what would that big takeaway be? I think ultimately we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but like the whole, the big takeaway from like branding, marketing, web design, all of these things is really knowing your ideal avatar. That is going to be the first step in, Um, being effective with any of those components. Um, So figuring out who that is, doing some research, talking to those people in real life, if you can, even, you know, talking to them about their pain points and pleasure points, um, because that's going to help to guide you on like what decisions to make in your marketing and your branding, all of that stuff. Okay. Now I have a follow-up question. Um, If somebody doesn't know who their ideal person is, what tip or recommendation would you have to help them figure out who that is? Yeah, definitely. I actually have a free tool. I don't know if you want to link it um, in the show notes, but I have a free tool that helps people with exactly this. Um, But it is the Discover Your Dream Customers Workbook. Uh, Basically, it walks you through how to do the research on finding that person, you know, looking at other um, you know, competitors of yours and looking in their comment sections and doing a little research into like, you know, who's commenting on this, looking at their profiles. Are they moms? Are they, you know, like 
are they dog parents? Are they, um, are they athletes? Are they, you know, what are the names that you can give to those people? Um, and looking at the different uh, places where you can research those types of things um, and then compiling your avatar, like creating, you know, giving that person a name, like what, what is the, the typical, what do they like to do on the weekends? What are their struggles? Like what is something that could make their life better and kind of going from there? Yeah. I love that. And you can speak to each and it's like, sometimes I think we don't realize like every single one of those struggles is an entire post. Every single one of those things that they're doing on the weekend is an entire post. So there's just so much once you start digging into it. And I love that tool. I will definitely include a link to that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. How can people find and connect with you online? Where's the best spot to find you? Absolutely. So you can check out my website, megangersh.com. It's M-E-G-A-N-G-E-R-S-C-H.com. I'm also on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, all of the places uh, as a a person in marketing. I feel like you have to kind of be a little bit everywhere. My main focus though is TikTok and Instagram. Um, I also have a podcast. It's called the Your Sparkly Brand Podcast. Um, it's basically a podcast where we aim to inspire and uplift women entrepreneurs with, uh, different strategies, tools, and, uh, we also chat with other women business owners about their journeys. So, uh, it's pretty fun. Awesome. I'll make sure to link all that. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Megan. This was wonderful and fun and very enlightening. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This is a blast. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.